Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 11. And he writes these words. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the Spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to invite Leander Martins to come forward now. She is our summer ministry intern, and she's going to be bringing the uh, the, the message and the ministry to us this morning. So will you join me in prayer for Leandra? Lord, we thank you for Leandra for her hard work this summer and for the way that you have placed your spirit upon her life, God. As she comes to preach this word this morning, Lord, bless her with the words to speak and open the ears of your church to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Keith. Hey, um, like Keith said, my name's Leandra. Uh, I've been the ministry intern this summer, and uh, the internship that I'm doing is kind of a cool and unique thing that Marian Methodist offers where students who are discerning a call to go into ministry or to become a pastor can spend the summer uh, working in the church with all the staff and shadowing Pastor Mike and Pastor Keith and kind of learning what, what the church is about and what that job is about to see if they really feel, feel called to go into that and to spend their lives with that work. So this, this whole summer, I've been here for 10 weeks, uh, I've gotten to help with weddings and funerals and 412 and gone on the mission trip into summer games. Um, I go to all their staff meetings and business meetings and that kind of thing. And uh, this is my last Sunday and it kind of ends with me coming up and preaching and doing this sermon. It's kind of 
the finale of, of everything I've learned this summer and everything that I've gotten to do. And uh, when they told me the sermon series going through First Peter and stuff, and I'm just kind of kind of fall in line with them taking you through the book of First Peter the past few weeks. And I remember uh, them giving me the scripture, and I was super excited uh, to, get, to get working on it. They do their sermons in a week, uh, but they gave me the scripture about a month and a half in advance so that I would have enough time to get ready for that. So that was really nice of them because I don't think I could have pulled it off in a week like they do. But I remember getting the scripture and, you know, going back and, and looking it up and seeing what I was going to preach about so I could start brainstorming. And the little heading on my passage, uh, which you'll see in a lot of the Bibles, is that this passage is titled Living for God. And uh, that's also what this sermon is titled when you look at your bulletin. And I remember opening it up and seeing that title and uh, being kind of bummed out that that's, that's what I got handed. Um, because I didn't want to get up and, and tell everyone, you know, this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do and this is what living for God means and because um, not only am I younger than most people and they've probably been members of this church longer than I've been alive uh, so I didn't want to start get up and tell them what to do and how to live their lives Um, I also just think it's something we hear a lot and we know what we should do and not do and uh, how to be good Christians and things that we should avoid and that kind of thing Um, So I didn't want to kind of get up and and state the obvious to all of you guys today. So uh, as I studied the scripture a little bit more, I remembered a conversation that I had with one of my friends up in school. Uh, And I go to school at Creighton University, which is in Omaha. And I remember when this internship opportunity came up, I was kind of conflicted on if I wanted to come home and do it. You know, come back in, move back in with my parents. Not a lot of my friends were coming home and... In Omaha, all my roommates were staying at school. They had all these fun things planned and all these trips uh, that they were going to do. And I didn't really want to miss out on that. And so I kind of had a little trouble deciding if I wanted to come do it. And obviously, I I ended up taking it and coming home and doing that for the summer. And I remember talking to one of my friends at school uh, and telling her, you know, I decided I'm going to go home, I'm going to go back and, and do the internship for the summer and then come back in the fall. And... And she responded with something that, you know, a lot of people would probably respond with and, and is nice, and I, I don't mean to call out her comment or anything, uh, but I'm going to use it for this sermon here. She responded saying, that's cool that you'd give up your summer to serve and grow with God, but I guess that's what you have to do if you're going to be a pastor someday. And uh, <laughs> when I thought about that comment more and, and thinking about living for God in this scripture today, I realized that that comment kind of embodies these three myths that I find a lot of people, and even myself sometimes, believing when I think of living for God and what it means to live for God. And uh, if any of you have seen the show Mythbusters, I think it's on A&E, but they, it's a, a group of like engineer and scientist guys that uh, they take these myths and these commonly believed things or legends and they kind of test them out and see if they're true or not. And they're usually things where we've always believed or uh, just random science things. And, and then at the end of the show, they either label it confirmed or busted. And uh, when I think about the three myths in my friend's comment and, and that I see in our culture and in the church today, and I look at this scripture, um, I find there's three myths that Peter in this patch, passage really busts. And if they were on that show, you know, those three myths that we believe would would be found to be not really true uh, according to God. So my first one 
that, that I found was that living for God is only for the super-religious. And uh, we see right away in verse 10, Peter writes, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, and that each one implies all of us. And when I was kind of reviewing my points in my sermon with one of my friends, he said, you know, uh, the first one's kind of obvious, don't you think? Like, of course everyone's called to live for God. You guys are all here. Uh, You probably feel called to live for God and come to church and and grow and learn about him and worship him. Um, But I challenge you to think if if you've heard or even said some of these comments, uh, things like, you know, that couple, they go to church all the time and tithe and volunteer, uh, but they're very into church, that they're church people. And, and things like, and I know I've said it before, is, you know, I go to church and I go to summer games, but, you know, I don't go, I don't go to 412 every week. I don't really do the Bible studies because, you know, I'm not, I'm not that churchy. That's not for me. That's not who I am. Um, and like my friend said, you know, that's cool that you'd give up your summer, but, you know, you're going to be a pastor, so you kind of have to do that. You know, not, not all of us are called to do that, just, just the people that are going to be pastors. And so even though we all may feel called to live for God, um, I see in our culture these different kind of levels of Christianity that, that we've created and how, you know, the churchy people are over here. They're supposed to volunteer all the time and be really involved and, and do the Bible studies and discipleship. And then it's like the not-so-churchy people, you know, we're kind of busy. Uh, we'll come on Sunday and, like, every once in a while I get involved in stuff. But, you know, we're not, we're not like the other churchy people. And then, like, pastors are like, oh, they work in the church. They're on a, a completely different level um, in our culture. And, and when I think about what Peter writes, it reminds me of another passage in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 where Paul writes about how the church is like a body, and we all make up the different parts of the body, but the church is still this one body. And I think um, I've heard that a lot, but when I, I think of it in this context, I see it a little differently is like, some of us see ourselves as, you know, the feet or the hands or the mouth or the heart of Christ, of the body. But then there's other people who, who view themselves more as the shoe or the hat or the thing that's sometimes on the body. You know, they, they put the shoe on, they go about, they do their thing, they go to church, do the Bible study. But uh, at, after church, at the end of the day, the shoe comes off. It's not a permanent part of the church body. It comes in and serves this temporary role but, you know, I'm a shoe person. I'm not a foot person. You know, they, they're there all the time. They're called to go all in. You know, I'll be the shoe and come in every once in a while. Um, and, of course, there'll be other shoes, so I don't have to do it all the time. And I think we, we view living for God more in that way sometimes. And I got to be on staff at Summer Games this year, and uh, I think I learned a really cool lesson from the kids there uh, for some of you guys that were there. We, we do a Pentecost service on Thursday night, the last night uh, after the crucifixion and all of that. And they talk about the Holy Spirit coming upon the apostles and giving them all these gifts and talents uh, so that they could go out and serve and, and spread the word of God and spread the Christian church. And so at the end of this service, the pastor preaching will have two other pastors come and, and stand up front. And he invites any students that are at camp that feel called to either ministry or mission work to come forward and, and line up in front of the two pastors, and they go through and pray. And they do it almost every year at summer games. And there's usually about, you know, 15 to 20 kids in the group that, that feel called to be a pastor or a youth pastor or 
feel called to ministry and missions in that way. And so they come up and get prayed for, and it's pretty cool. And it's one of my favorite services, and that's when I felt a call to ministry. But um, this year when we did it, we had about 530 students at Summer Games this year. And so we had to move to a bigger gym. as a pretty big crowd. And the pastor's giving this talk, and he has his two pastors standing up there, and he's like, okay, come forward if, if you felt called to ministry or missions you know, during this, this sermon. And they'll pray for your calling, and it'll be really cool. And I remember sitting there as a staff worker, and as soon as he said it, you know, usually when you invite students forward, it's, it's look around. Two kids come forward, and someone's like, oh, my friend's going. And then they come down, and, you know, it takes some courage. But at this service, as soon as he invited, invited students forward, about 525 of the 530 stood up and tried to come down to these two pastors that were waiting for them. And so can, if you can imagine this church full, probably even a little more full, and then all at the same time, all of you stand up and try to come down these three aisles at the same time, you know, the students were kind of like, oh, what, you know, this is kind of hectic. And I remember sitting there as a staff and, you know, looking down, and most of my huddle's gone trying to get down there. And I look across to another staff worker and, you know, kind of give them a look like the kids are messing it all up. You know, this is supposed to be a really cool thing where people being called to ministry and missions can get prayed for. And, you know, it was really powerful for me. And the kids aren't supposed to all go down, you know, just the ones called the ministry and missions. And uh, so the pastor's kind of pacing around. He doesn't know what to do. All these kids, you know, no one's moving because everyone's trying to get down. The two pastors down here are like, should we start praying individually? Or, you know, no one really knew, knew what was going on or what to do. And so the pastor up there is like, uh, we're actually just going to have everyone just kneel down where you are. And then he prayed for the whole group uh, together as one and for their calling. And as he was praying and I was sitting there, you know, thinking about how messed up everything was, I, I started to realize that the kids at the camp were the only ones who actually got what was happening. You know, the pastor didn't realize what he was asking. All the staff, we didn't realize, was, you know, what was going on. We thought the kids were messing it up. But I realized that every single one of those kids are called to ministry and missions, you know, because that doesn't mean that you're going to be a pastor. It doesn't mean you're going to go live in Africa for the rest of your life. You know, it's, it's the same as being called to be a Christian. You know, ministry and missions are every person, every job, every country. Uh, it's not these, these categories we put them in. And 530 children understood that when staff and some of the pastor staff didn't really see that coming. Um, and I thought it was cool that with this myth here, those kids didn't live, didn't live that out in their lives and that the youth in our church are, are understanding that and that the Holy Spirit came upon each one of those kids in that service and told them, you know, that's you. You need to stand up and you need to walk down and get prayed for. Um, and I thought that was really cool that, that they would get it when we don't all the time. And I remember Pastor Mike telling me once when I was called to ministry and kind of thinking about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do that, he told me to remember that every single Christian is called to full-time ministry. Most people have other jobs on top of that, whereas pastors just have that one. Um, and so I think that's something that in this internship and in my ministry and moving forward that I'll always remember is, is to expect that of everyone and of myself and, and that we're not called to be the shoe. We're all called to go all in. We're all called 
to, to be a part of the body that's always a part of the body. And so um, I think I have our Mythbusters logo. Yep, there it is. Uh, that someone helped make me because I don't know how to, how to do that computer stuff. But uh, we'll label that one as busted. Uh, my second myth is that uh, people think that living for God means doing things. And uh, when I ask people, or when, when we hear about people talking about living for God, it's, you know, oh, it's going to church and being a good person and uh, not doing these things that we shouldn't be doing and making sure we get to Bible studies and, you know, serving. We should probably go on some mission trips. Uh, that's living for God. And you'll see in this passage that that is living for God. But when we look at the beginning of it uh, in, verse, in verse 1, it's not the only thing that living for God means. It's not just outwardly. Uh, we also have to focus on the inward part of living for God, and I think a lot of people forget about that sometimes. And I think it's pretty cool that in verse 1, when, when Peter's starting this passage about living for God, the very first thing that he tells us is to arm yourselves also with this same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for human desires, but rather the will of God. And I think it's really cool that before he's going to tell us what we should and shouldn't be doing, because that is important, his first thing right off the bat is, don't forget about who you are as a person. Don't forget about your attitude. You know, you need to arm yourselves with this attitude and be a person of God and have that relationship. And, and only after that, as a result of that, you can, start, you can start going out and doing all these outward things, living for God. Uh, but first you have to live with him and be in relationship with him. Otherwise, these outward things aren't going to really mean anything. And uh, I think that, that God makes a good point of this throughout the Bible, that our heart and where we're at is what he cares about before what we're doing. And one of the, the main examples you've probably all heard is the story of Cain and Abel. And we think of that, you know, as the first, the first example of someone murdering another person, and that's kind of what it's known for. But if you look at the beginning of the story and why that even happened, uh, it starts with Cain and Abel, two brothers, coming forward to give a sacrifice to God. And it says in the Bible that what they bring forward to sacrifice and to give God is of completely equal value. But after they do it, God says, I am pleased with Abel's, uh, Abel's offering, but not with Cain's. And that's kind of what, what sparks Cain's anger at his brother. And, of course, Cain's kind of confused why these equal offerings, you know, God randomly, randomly liked Abel's better. And when you look at the scripture, it tells us that because of his faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. And I think it's important to remember when, when living for God, we can all go out and do the same things, and we can all go on mission trips, and we can all come to church but that God will be more pleased with some than others. And that's about, that's about where our heart's at, and that's about the attitude that we're, that we're putting on ourselves. Because although what we do as Christians and as a church matters to God, who we are as Christians will always matter more to him. And so I think it's important for us to take time and to make that inward part of our faith and living for God a priority and, and we're blessed in, in this church that there's so many ministries. I think when I was talking to Mike one time, he said there are like 60 different ministries in our church, and there's a lot to do and there's a lot to get done. 
Um, but we need to remember that we can't just get caught up in doing all these outward things without taking time for the inward and taking time for ourselves too. Uh, because not only is that more pleasing to God, but when we go out and do ministry and serve uh, and try to live for God, it's a lot easier when you are a person of God first. And I remember one of the first things I got involved with uh, with this church as a high schooler was I started teaching Sunday school. Uh, I had the kindergarten class. And anyone who knows me that well knows that uh, working with kids is not necessarily what I'm called to. I wouldn't say that that that's my specialty and that's what part of the body of Christ I am. Uh, And it's kind of harder for me. You know, I don't, they don't understand what I'm saying. I don't, you know, I don't have those talents. And I know that if I had not been a person of God and been in that relationship with him and been receiving his patience and his love for the children and him guiding me in what to say, that although Sunday school class would have still happened and I still would have been there and been doing it, it wouldn't have been nearly as beneficial for the children or for me or for anyone involved if, if I had not come in with the heart of Christ to do that. Um, so, so not only is the inward part important to God, but it should be important to us uh, because it does make a difference in what we go out and do when we eventually get to those outward things. And uh, it, it, it allows us to be more equipped and more ready uh, to go out and serve in that way. And, and so I want to remind you guys that when you think of living for God, to not remember that inward part and to remember that living for God will always start with living with God. And, and when Peter starts this, he starts with that, and we should always start with that in mind as well. Um, so, so we'll label that one as busted as well. And we'll move to my third one, which is uh, living for God means denying ourselves fun or uh, denying ourselves the things we want to do because, you know, God doesn't allow that or, you know, I can't sleep in because you know, God wants me to go to church and I can't spend my money that way because I should give to the church or, you know, I'm paying for the, for this mission trip or this, this missional activity in my church. And uh, when I think about my friend's, friend's comment from the beginning, she said, you know, that's cool that you're going to give up your summer to go do that. And, and kind of implying, you know, oh, the summer could have been so fun. You could have stayed in Omaha with us. We would have had all these things planned. It would have been awesome. But that's so, like, that's so cool that you would give up your summer to go do something super not fun and work in the church. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I, I don't know if she meant it exactly that way, but that's kind of, that's kind of the, the thing I get. And I got that a lot when I told people that I was going to come, you know, move back in with my parents and, and work in the church every day and do those kind of things when, you know, summer a lot of them were taking fun trips and I was going on the mission trip and they viewed it as me sacrificing something. And uh, I think that, that we should remember that living for God is fun too, that we shouldn't view it as a sacrifice or, or giving something up um, because of how much we get back when, when we live for God and, and do what he wants us to do. And that it offers just as much and more fun than these other things in the world. And when I think about fun, I think there's two different types of fun that we we need to distinguish. Because there's the world's type of fun, and then there's the type of fun that that God can offer. And uh, when Peter, in this scripture, in verse 4, is kind of describing the world's idea of fun and the things that you're going to have to give up... um, 
he describes all of them as a flood of dissipation. And I did not know what that word meant, so I looked it up when I was studying this, and I found two different definitions for this word. And the first one is that dissipation is using a lot of money and time in a foolish way. And I think when we we look at that scripture, that's most likely what Peter was talking about. Uh, But when I looked it up, there was also a second definition, and that's that the process, that dissipation is the process of slowly disappearing or becoming less and less. And I thought that was interesting, and when I looked at it a little closer, I saw that it's more of the chemistry definition of dissipation um, and about experiments and science, uh, scientific stuff. But I think that if we had Peter here and, and could ask him what he meant by that, that, that he would take that second definition and apply it to what he's saying. That, that living for the world's fun and doing those kind of things is like dissipation is slowly disappearing and becoming less and less because any of you that that have lived your life for the world's fun or have relatives or friends that have made that their priority instead of God, you've probably seen that it is like slowly disappearing and becoming less and less. You lose who you are. You know, that type of fun is not what fulfills you and makes you who you are and allows you to live out who you're supposed to be. It, it takes away from you. And in John 10.10, uh, 10, Jesus tells us that he has come that we may have life and have it to the fullest. You know, we don't have to give up anything. We can have the fullness of life in him, the fullness that this dissipation, that the world's fun doesn't offer for us. Um, and I think that, that this dissipation... Uh, has been evident, and you know, especially in college, uh, where I am, you see a lot of people living that way and and living out that scientific definition of dissipation, and uh, that's not the type of fun that God can offer. And um, I remember back, I graduated from Linmar High School, and there kind of became a little tradition every year where a group of senior students. Uh, for spring break would go, they would get some, some brave parents to volunteer and take them down to Cancun. Uh, and it was kind of a fun week hanging out and going to the beach and kind of a last trip with your friends before you go off to college and most of you are separated and going to different schools. And so um, I remember when I was a senior and people were planning this trip, me and my friend Mackenzie Kirk, who uh, some of you may know because her family attended here as well, we we thought, you know, what if we didn't do the Cancun trip with everyone? What if we went on a mission trip, you know? Uh, we're, we're coming back from summer games, and we're all on fire, and we're like, we should do a mission trip. You know, that'd be, that'd be way more fun. And so in, in my mind, it was like a trip to, like, Chicago or to a big city in America or through some organization. But if you know Mackenzie Kirk, uh, she doesn't really think on a small scale usually, so what she ended up planning and organizing for us was a trip to South Africa for 10 days, um, which was a little more than I pictured, and I'd never been on a mission trip before. Uh, but I ended up going, and my dad ended up going with me, so uh, we went on a mission trip for 10 days uh, while, while a lot of our friends went down to Cancun. And uh, when, I, when I came back, I would never say that I gave up the Cancun trip to go to Africa. Because in my eyes, you know, I didn't sacrifice anything to go there. 
you know, I probably had the best 10 days of my life while I was down there. And uh, our Haiti mission trip uh, just got back this past week. And I'm sure if you talk to any of them, they would say that while on that trip, they experienced the fullness of life, the fullness of fun. Um, I know we were talking to one of their moms this morning, and she's already ready to go back. Uh, And she would never say that she had to give up something to go on that trip. And, and I was only there for 10 days, but I was reading about a missionary named David Livingston, who you guys have probably heard of, that uh, spent his whole life in Africa. He was from the United Kingdom, uh, and he, he spent years and years uh, doing mission work in Africa. He's one of the first missionaries there, and he actually ended up dying and passed away and is, is buried there. He, he completely uh, invested and gave up his other life uh, for that. And he was giving a talk to some college students at Cambridge, and it was kind of a Q&A thing. And a student asked, you know, how could you give up everything you had here and all the luxuries we have in England to, to go live your whole life and end up dying, you know, in Africa, in the jungle, without any of these things? You know, didn't you always want to come back and, and have fun again? And uh, his response, I think, is really cool, and you'll see it on the screen, is, People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa, but it is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward. It is empathetically no sacrifice, say rather it is a privilege. I have never made a sacrifice. And I think uh, what he's trying to tell us and, and what Peter's trying to tell us is that living for God is not giving up or sacrificing anything. And a lot of times in my own life and experience and in my friends' lives that I've seen, sometimes, sometimes it's the other way around, where we, we give up this fullness of life and the fun we could have because we, we take the world's way. We, we decide we want to have the world's fun instead, and we end up giving up uh, what God had to offer and sacrificing that instead. Um, and I remember... Mike last week was telling us that our lives are the biggest witness, and the easiest way to convince someone uh, of Jesus Christ is to be able to point to someone and be like, look what it's done in their life. You know, look how changed they are, look how they're living. That's the gospel. You know, we can read to them and talk to them all we want, but if you can just point to someone, be like, that's the gospel, it's a lot more convincing and easier to understand for people. And, uh, I was, I was thinking about that and about my sermon and hoping that if somebody pointed at me and said, you know, that's what the gospel looks like, that's what living for God looks like, that someone wouldn't look at me and be like, that looks horrible, you know, that looks like no fun. She had to give up her whole summer and come work at Marion Methodist, and, you know, she didn't go on the Cancun trip with us. You know, that doesn't look like any fun. I would hope that that's not, that's not what I'm giving off as a person. I'd hope that someone would be able to point to me and, you know, if they said, that's, that's living for God, that's the gospel, someone would say, that looks like a lot of fun. That looks fulfilling. She looks like she's got things that I don't have living for the world's way, that, that I'm missing out on something that she has. And I hope that all of our lives would, would look that way too and that we would live lives that make, that make living for God look worth it to our friends and our neighbors and uh, our, our peers and those at work, that they would look at us and think that that, that looks worth it. Um, so we'll label that one as busted too. And uh, 
when I was making this slide, uh, usually when I take notes in church, if I write down anything, it's what's on the slides. And so when I was making these, I realized that uh, I have three statements that if you wrote them down, wouldn't be true, first of all, because they're myths, and they have big logos on them, so you can't even see them. Uh, So I'm going to end here with three facts um, about living for God that, that you can take home and remember uh, in place of these myths and hopefully live out in your lives um, instead of these first three. So my first one here is that we are all equally called to live for God. And, and if you remember, we, we are all called to be a part of the body. Uh, no one's called to be the shoe that we sometimes wear or, or to be a part-time, a part-time Christian and living for God. And, and that like the students at SGU, if, if I invited you to come forward now, if you were called to ministry or missions, um, I would hope that this whole room would, would feel that calling and have that urge to come up and, and feel called to live for God. Uh, my second one is that living for God means living with God. Uh, that we would focus on that inward part, and, and like Peter said, as a result, the outward things will come. Uh, and not only will, will God be more pleased with where our heart's at, but it will also make things a little easier on us uh, as we go out and live for him. And then my last one here that we just talked about is Living for God offers us life and fun to the fullest. Uh, that we don't have to live in this dissipation of, of becoming less and less, but that we have the most fun and the most fullness uh, when we live with God and our lives are full of joy and, and something that we can show other people uh, that it's worth it to, to live out the gospel in that way. Uh, and so my hope, my hope for everyone today as you guys leave is that you you don't have those myths in your life anymore, that you don't view living for God that way, uh, and that you all, all feel called to, uh, to go all in with God and, and to have fun doing it. Uh, because living the godly life uh, is a lot of fun. It's the most fun I've ever had. Uh, and I know that it will continue to be as, as I continue in ministry. So um, I'd like to invite you all to pray with me now. Dear God, um, I just want to thank you for, for the opportunities I've gotten this summer to, to work with this church and to come up and talk today. Uh, I want to thank you for the words you've given us today in your scripture and uh, the lessons that you've taught us. Uh, I thank you for calling us all to live for you and uh, for making that uh, a blessed and enjoyable experience for all of us today, uh, that we get to serve a loving and caring God that, that is always for us, uh, and in our favor. Um, I invite, I invite everyone in here today to, to lift up, uh, whatever's on their heart, uh, that they need to give to you today as they leave and, uh, that, that we can all go out and, and live for God and enjoy our lives that way. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. My kids love to come here. Emily loves 412. Um, I love to worship teaching is great. Um, Theo loves his friends here. We've met some really great families here. I really want to support um, something that I believe in um, that's a place of refuge and comfort and support for my family and in the community. My name is Joy Meese and these are the reasons why we support Marian Methodist. Would you please join us in worshiping God this way? Would the ushers please come forward?